This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. When it comes to warfare, uh, you know, the Doug Ford government having signaled that there's going to be a cap on uh, public sector wages, 1% uh, each of the next three years. When this is ratified in the fall, they pass the legislation, but it's not yet ratified. When they come back on October 28th, I guess that'll be one of the first orders of business. But uh, certainly uh, it has led to, I guess, a suggestion that uh, the unions are going to go to war with them. And one such union is OPSU, who is headed up by Warren Smokey Thomas, who is joining the Oakley Show to explain their point of view. Mr. Thomas, good to have you back on the Oakley Show. Good afternoon. Oh, thanks, John. Thanks for having me on. I see uh, where you're saying, this is a quote, my union and others will target all those Tory MPPs and their constituency offices, all their fundraisers, all their golf tournaments, all their barbecues. We'll screw every one of them up. So you're issuing a fatwa here. Yeah, we did that to the liberals too, though, John. So, I mean, there's nothing new for us when when uh, when they're doing something bad. And it's not just this um Taking them on is not just over uh, the wage re, uh, wage cap thing. It's over a whole host of things over the last, since they've been elected. Cuts and broken promises to frontline workers and a whole host of things, which is uh, you know driven his popularity down to twenty percent and infuriated just about every public sector worker there is out there. So let me ask you about the strategy. I mean, as you say, uh, you're incessantly complaining about whatever he's done. You did that with the Liberals as well. I mean, if there's this perception that you're never going to be satisfied, you're never going to say, okay, we can live with that, or, you know, somewhere we can meet in the middle, or so on and so forth. You ever feel that maybe there's a risk of a boy who cried wolf? Uh, too often, there's just a chronic complaint about whatever any government does. When the Liberals were in power, when they did something good, I was the first one to say they did something good. And we did reach a lot of agreements with the Liberals on a whole host of things. Pension reform that gave the taxpayers assurance and the government assurance that they wouldn't have to pay more on uh, pension plans. Like we, we stayed at that table. We're the only union to stay there. So we did do lots with them. But uh, when they're when they're attacking public sector workers, uh, we, we fight back. It's just that simple. Is it an attack on public sector workers? Well, it's more an attack on the services we provide. Um, they, you know, if you think about this, from the autism files, student unions, uh, there's there's been a whole host of cuts to public sector work, frontline, you know, like to funding to frontline services that never make the media because you'd call it a death by a thousand cuts. And so all those have stacked up inside everybody that provides public services, uh, whether it be work and developmental services, children's aid societies, like they've all had their funding cut. And so it really, and yet those services are mandated by law. So how are they supposed to provide all these services by law when they're not given enough money to, uh, to, uh, to, to do the services? So, and the Liberals did the same. John, in, in Canada, Ontario pays the least amount of money for public services of any province and some states, quite frankly. So, you know, we we're already near, we we're already at rock bottom. So some of what he's doing, to me, I, I just don't understand the logic. He's hurting kids. He's hurting women. He's hurting kids with autism. He's hurting students. I, I just, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I just marvel sometimes at some of the decisions they make. And I just shake my head. 
well, maybe we'd be better served by federal transfer payments. But let's leave that aside when you say a death by a thousand cuts. But it's not a death by a thousand job cuts, they say. And Peter Bethlen-Faldi on this program, they're going to save jobs. There's no jobs being lost here. Uh, Is there, well, no, what do you say to that? That's not true. It's just not true. I don't know where, why Peter would say that. He knows it's not true. There's probably 2,000 vacancies in the Ontario Public Service, drug government workers that aren't, haven't been filled and won't be filled, and they've deleted the positions. He takes the position that that's not a cut, but it is. If there was 10 people offering services in an office, right, and now you're down to seven, well, and you're still expected to do the work of 10 in the same amount of time, that's a cut. In the autism world, so they're very specialized skill sets here to work with kids with autism. They've all gotten, Chio's given layoff notices, I think they're effective at the end of June. Uh, a whole bunch, a whole host of other service providers have laid off their workers. And you know, now they're going to go back and do consultations with parents after they've screwed it all up. So, like, they've, they've watched a lot of things, John. They, they, but it's hard to... It's hard to focus on any one thing because they make two or three announcements a day. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, that's what I hear from the media is, what do you cover, right? There's so many changes being made here. Again, with Warren Smokey Thomas, he's uh, the head of OPSU, and obviously uh, with the announcement that there are going to be uh, capped wage increases going forward, uh, 1% over the next three years. Uh, but, you know, again, the government would say uh, it's just a freeze. You can still move up in the pay grade. You know, as long as, and, and, you know, this is still while, uh, you know, existing contracts until contract lapses, uh, there's not going to be anything done, anything done. I mean, is, is that at least softening the blow? Uh, well, maybe in some ways, but l- let me ask you to think about it from this perspective. Public sector wage increases have been behind private sector for 10 years. They've been, we took years of zeros and years of point fives under the Liberals, right? So the, the, the wage increases have not been generous in the public service. The last couple of years, people have been getting 1.5, 1.6, 1.2, uh, maybe a lump sum instead of a raise. Like, so they're not really generous. But what he's done here is he's introducing legislation that it does interfere with collective bargaining. So the labor, my union and the labor movement, uh, uh, out of necessity, you 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 must protect that rule of law. Any any attempt at an erosion of your legal rights must be met with resistance. This this is no different than the beer store contract. They're going to fight it. They're you know they, a contract's a contract. Uh, you know uh, bargaining rights are all wound up in labor rights, and that's in the Charter of Rights of Canada. So, and what I would say to uh, Peter Bethlen Fabi, who, by the way, I think is a decent human being. I've met him a few times. He's a reasonable guy. But I'd say you're doing, you're picking a fight here that's absolutely unnecessary to pick because you already have wage restraint. They've they've flatlined funding to all these transparent agencies for years, and so. Really, he's going to risk losing the charter challenge over what would amount to maybe a half a percent or 0.6 percent. Like, I don't understand the logic behind why he would pick this fight. All right, well, wait a minute. What do you make of their numbers when they say, like, look, if you've got a $72 billion of the overall budget, roughly 50 percent is made up of the wage component to the public sector, and 1 percent means $720 million, that's not an insignificant amount of money. Do you quibble with that? No, it's not an insignificant amount of money, but people should at least be able to keep pace with inflation. But what he's actually done to himself here, when he won his budget, right, he gave $3.8 billion tax breaks to the rich and corporations, people who don't need a tax break. And so he's got to find that shortfall in funding that he inflicted on himself, that he inflicted on himself. He's got to make it up somewhere. 
So he's going to make it up by cutting services, trying to cap wages. He's well, going to do all those. All right, but Smokey, then, I mean, look, uh, and the other thing on the wage component, we've talked about this at some length, and uh, in fact, the thing that keeps coming up, the elephant in the room that's not addressed, is the benefits. I mean, the benefits are rather, uh, as some people call them, generous for the public sector that you don't get in the privates, including a defined benefit pensions. And that's where people say, "Uh uh-huh, that doesn't tell the whole story, the wage component. So having just a cap of 1%, that's nominal against the backdrop of all compensation. But, John, I'd say the same thing, the same answer is, why would he introduce legislation to try to control that? Like, he's risking losing a charter challenge, right? Is it really? Because, I mean, Stephen Harper, didn't he have the same challenge in 2013, which was upheld by the Supreme Court in his favor? Well, Labor's won almost every one of them. Yeah, but how about that one? Uh, I'd, I'd have to go back and review the honest. I think I Harper won that one. I, I, well, Labor has, certainly has not won them all, won the majority. But even as consul, he said he had consultations with Labor. I mean, I went to them all. I went to five sessions, right? And and they they had a, char, uh, a constitutional lawyer that they hired it out to for Lord knows how much a day, uh, you know, probably 1000 bucks an hour for his firm and well, him and maybe more. But so the whole thing there was to tick off the boxes on a, on a charter challenge. So he knew, they knew, right, that they were going to get into a, a, a fight over rights. So if he really wanted, John, I, here's my offer to Doug Ford, and it still stands. Well, you know, and I want to hear this because he's going to join us here momentarily, but go ahead. Right. Well, Mr. Ford, I met him at the uh, throne speech, mm-hmm. right, back when they won the election and got sworn in. So he said to me, Smokey, you and I need to meet and sit down and have lunch and talk about things. I said, sir, I look forward to that. I've actually written you a letter. Uh, and I wrote it and sent it the day after. I wrote that one myself, helped somebody correct my grammar. But, uh, you know, I sent it the next day, congratulating him on a very decisive victory, and that I'd like to sit down and talk about some things. John, my reputation inside government is if we can get a table, we can help you find savings. You ask the liberals. They may not have liked me, but when they would actually sit and talk to us, we could find a way through. So my offer, my plea to Mr. Ford is keep your words, sit down and meet with me, and let's have a conversation about how to save money. He said he was going to thin management ranks. He hasn't done it. They did bios on some few senior managers, and they're replacing those managers. Like there's, in, in those consultations, we put forward many ways for the government to save money, employers to save money, things like you know sectoral bargaining instead of bargaining 600 contracts, do, do it sector-wide. There's lots of ways to save money without getting into a big fight over, over the constitutional rights. And guess what? Probably neither party will be happy with the outcome. So uh, if you've got Mr. Ford on there, I truly, truly would like, uh, I will drop there. I'll meet him anywhere, anytime he wants. All right, anywhere, well, anytime he wants. I'll bring that up with him. By the way, you know, with the teachers, that's one such example. The contract lapses at the end of August, and uh, they're talking about yeah. already having started the bargaining process. How do you think that's going to go now with the caps imposed? Well, that's not looking good, but, uh, and again, I, I don't I don't really believe that he needed the legislature to achieve his goals. The liberals were in that. I mean, they 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 built 115 uh, cap salaries in the education sector, and we were part of that charter challenge. My union, we represent support staff and a bunch of school boards, so we're 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 nervous about 
well, we're more nervous about uh, are there going to be layoffs, are there going to be cuts to, you know, the people that support kids with special needs in the classroom, that we worry more about that than uh, whether it's a 1% raise or a 1.5. And, again, he's like he's picked a legal fight that, uh, you know, I'd love to talk to Ms. Ford and say, I, I don't understand your logic for doing that. Like, and let me explain my point of view to you because you can't do it in a you know, five-minute radio interview. But, I mean, there's lots of things that ways he can save money. And I'll tell you, like, uh, you know, the finance minister, all those people, they, you know, I had really good relationships with them when they were in opposition, and they liked a lot of my ideas, and now all of a sudden they don't know who I am, which is I don't take it personal because they're in power and they've got to do what they, they, you know, what they think they've got to do. But I really would like to sit with Mr. Ford. I, I truly, truly would. So. All right. And so you agree that uh, it's necessary to try to slay the deficit dragon, but uh, you'd like to be a party to that discussion. I'll yeah. put that to him here. Listen, I'm, don't get me wrong. Uh, I like I'm not anti-business. I'm pro-business because that's business employs people, right? Mm. And and the liberals left him a horrible financial mess. But I, well, I'm saying is he made it worse by giving tax breaks to rich people that don't need them. I got asked this question one time by a guy I can't remember his name was on a on a TV talk show. He said, "Smokey, what do you suppose will happen if they tax the rich more?" So I'm guessing they'd still be rich. All right. Yeah. Or they might just up and leave the province. But, uh, Smokey, yeah. i got to let you go on that okay. note. I appreciate your weighing in. Follow back on you uh, at some point. Thanks a lot. Okay. Yeah, thanks. Have a good weekend. Dick. And you, Smokey Thomas. He's the head of Opsuit. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.